This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green is live and on the air, and we are in the Ingles studio. First hour of the program, as always, brought to you by Ingles. Low prices, love the savings. Monday Night Football last night, we got to see the Philadelphia Eagles unveiled for who they really are. I tried to tell you. (laughs) It blows my mind how many people have gone, we thought Jalen Hurts was good. No. Why? What could you possibly have seen that made you think he was good at this? Only scores 25 points a week in fantasy. Uh, Yeah, that's that's the only... That is the only thing that I can wrap my head around is that the fantasy footballification of football is official with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. There was a throw in that game last night that is everything I need to say on Jalen Hurts, and I, I, don't, I don't ever need to see him throw another pass. Devontae Smith's out wide. Trayvon Diggs is lined up on him. Two high safety. There are two reads there. Trayvon Diggs knows it. I know it. The entire defense knows it. Right. There are two reads. The safety takes away the post. There's no way he's running a post, which means Trayvon Diggs unequivocally knows what route he's running. It's a hot out, and if Jalen Hurts throws it, he's not an NFL quarterback. And what did he do? He didn't just throw it. Not only did he throw it, he threw it three yards behind the receiver who falls down trying to get it. Right. And do you know why you don't throw that? Because of exactly what happened. Trayvon Diggs catches it in stride, and if I heard, look at him turn into a running back. It's not hard to do when the pass couldn't have been thrown better to you if he right. was throwing it to you. Right. A defensive lineman could have looked that good running that ball back. And that's all you need to know. And in the 4 o'clock hour today, I'm going to a decision has been made by every bad team in the NFL that is why they are a bad team now. Mm-hmm. The discrepancy between good, average, and bad in this league is not that big. One bad decision takes you from good to average or from average to great. One, Two bad decisions take you from great to the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, both New York teams. There is a, there is a slew of horrid teams this year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The bad has never been worse, mm-hmm. and the good has never been better. Right. There are six teams in the NFL that I look at right now and go, you could win a Super Bowl, no doubt. Mm -hmm. The L.A. Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baltimore Ravens. I really want to say the San Francisco 49ers, but I don't think I'm going to. Really? And then there are five teams that couldn't play dead in the Western. Mm -hmm. My New York Jets, the New York Giants. The Jaguars, the Texans, right. the Eagles. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles proved last night that, yes, the Dallas Cowboys are alone at the top of the NFC East. It should not, it should not be a fight going down to the end of the season for that division title. I won't be shocked if that's the first division that has a Y next to the champion's name, but where it's you- clinched. 
Yeah. But then you ask yourself, are we are are we are we burying them too early? Who? Are we believing too much in the Dallas Cowboys? No. No, you're not. This team's exactly what I tried to tell you they were last year, and the defense was abhorrent, yep. and the quarterback got hurt. Yep. Well, now you add Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs has a year of experience under his belt. And guess what? You have a high-level superstar at every level of the defense. Yep. Because Micah Parsons is a star. I don't care if he plays linebacker. I don't care if he plays defensive end. I don't care if they get him to punt the ball. I don't care. He is a superstar at anything he does. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Diggs is a star. Jalen Smith is a star. I'm not saying that this is a great defense that's going to be the 85 Bears and swelter you. What I'm saying is that offense is borderline impossible to stop. The Ezekiel Elliott, oh, he's washed. That aged well. Yeah. Because he and Tony Pollard have come together to form probably the best one-two punch in the NFL for the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. they've. I mean, they've together rushed for, I want to say it's probably close to 400 yards in the last two weeks. They had 160 last night between them against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think Zeke was 70 and Pollard went over 100 last week. They are very, very good. Ezekiel Elliott's eighth in the NFL in rushing yards, and Tony Pollard's 13th. There you go. That's pretty formidable. It is. So now you've given Dak Prescott, not only does he have an elite receiving core, not only does he have now an elite backfield, he's also got a tight end. Mm -hmm. Because Dalton Schultz is better than you think. And so all these people that say, oh, you're only talking about Dallas because it's Dallas. No, we're talking about Dallas because they're good. They're very good, and they are light years better than every team in that division right did you notice how uh after the first couple of weeks of the season last year didn't really hear a lot about the dallas cowboys yeah because the quarterback was hurt they're not good in week five quarterbacks hurt defense is terrible right the only time you heard their name mentioned last year was uh who is playing them this week and who are we going to load up on on in fantasy because whoever their opponent is is going to score a billion points 41 to 21 was the final score last night on Monday Night Football. Dallas Cowboys over the Philadelphia Eagles. Cowboys go to 2 and 1. Eagles drop to 1 and 2. Prospects for the rest of the season for the Eagles not looking too good. I mean, they suffered a couple of more injuries last night. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. They lost another offensive lineman for the season last night. Isaac Sumalo. Suamalo. Suamalo, excuse me. Uh, And then Fletcher Cox also got dinged up at the end of the game, but I think he's fine. I feel absolutely horrible for Fletcher Cox. (laughs) I watch him having to play in that dumpster of a a team and just go, man, you are just a bright, shining light surrounded by a bunch of wilted flowers. Mm -hmm. Because he's so good. He is. The only play that they really had last night. That wasn't just attrition of being on the field or a big play or whatever. was him. Mm -hmm. And he did it Mm single-handedly. Takes the ball right out of Dak Prescott's hands. I'm telling you, they were going to absolutely. You think it was bad? It could have been worse. Well, how could it have been worse? Had that turnover not happened, I feel like that put a little hesitation in Kellen Moore of, okay, Got to make sure things don't come off the rails. And, and the play call got a little bit more conservative. Well, I mean. Because Dak Prescott, when they put this game plan in place, their intention was Dak is going to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. And he did. 
He just didn't have to do it to the level that I think they came into the game with. Oh, so you think he was going to gunsling all night long to prove a point? I think Kellen Moore came into last night trying to prove there is not another quarterback in this division that is an NFL-worthy starter, and we have a top-five quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. Then there's a turnover. It kind of changes things. Here's something I, I haven't heard anybody say today. Kellen Moore is doing an otherworldly job of coordinating this offense. Everybody talks about Kyle Shanahan and complimentary plays and setting up the offense. He had a sequence last night that's as good as I've seen any play caller have all year. Okay. It was third, or let's see. There was a penalty on first down. Little run on first down, just get a few yards back. I think it was first and 25. They get a few yards back on first down. Throw a screen prep pass out wide on second down because Philadelphia had stacked the box. You're not going to run to get back into to make this manageable. So they throw a little swing pass. Oh, no, that was on first. I, I had this backward. They did that on first down. Okay. The penalty was on the run. Little swing pass. Zeke runs on second down to make it third and 11. Pass to Dalton Schultz. Two plays later, touchdown. That's how the NFL is done today. Mm-hmm. It's a game of chess. And unfortunately for, for Philadelphia... Their coach is not great at chess, apparently. And his face really annoys me. <laughs> Old Nick Sirianni. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't give great press conference. He, does, he doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't talk to the media well. And he's doing himself no favors on the field. His team looks completely out of it. By the way, did you know that the Philadelphia Eagles actually set a franchise record last night? It was a franchise record for the most penalties in the first three games of a season. They're averaging over 11 penalties a game. Currently in a 17-game season, they are on pace for 196 penalties. That would demolish the NFL record, should that stay the course, by 35. The 2011 Oakland Raiders currently have the NFL record for the most penalties against them in a season at 163. That's averaging 10.19 penalties per game. Currently, Philadelphia is averaging 11.65. They lead. They're undisciplined. Yeah, they lead the league in in every in pretty much every penalty call. And and one of the things that we talked about on the show is I make decisions as I mean I'll say it as soon as I've made the decision. I made the decision on Nick Sirianni about the second quarter last night. This is a bad hire, and it's not going to end well. I didn't like it when you did it. Mm -hmm. I can't stand it now Mm -hmm. because he has no feel for the game. I said what Philadelphia is doing is they're giving their fan base exactly what they clamored for. All right, you wanted Jalen Hurts? Here's Jalen Hurts. They would never admit that. Mm -hmm. You couldn't depose Howie Roseman and get him to admit that out loud. (laughs) That's 100% what they're doing. All right, you you wanted to run Carson Wentz out of town? Cool. We got rid of him, paid the biggest dead cap hit in NFL history. We got a few picks, and here's Jalen Hurts. Now you get what you want. You know what I got a slew of last night? What's that? Philadelphia Eagle fans going, man, I really didn't want to believe he was as bad as you said he was. He might be worse than you said he was. But he scores a lot of fantasy points. Cute. That's adorable. Right. No, he looked completely over his skis last night. He's not an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. I said that when he came out. Mm-hmm. When they drafted him, I literally laughed out loud. And in the 4 o'clock hour, I'll give you one guess as to what, the, what <laughs> one of the two moves that turned them into a dumpster fire was. Right. You cannot outsmart the NFL. 
In this day and time, there are too many people like me that watch just unbelievable amounts of tape. We know these guys, too. You're not going to outsmart all of us. Mm-hmm. The NFL had a, across the board, Jalen Hurts can come in and have a Taysom Hill-level role. He's just good enough of a thrower of the football that if you don't know what he's doing, he can surprise you. In terms of dropping back, I know you're throwing. He will be a disaster. I could go back and read profiles that were sent to me on Jalen Hurts that would, I mean, they're going to read like a novel of what you've seen through seven starts with him in the NFL. Right. He telegraphs throws. His eye discipline's bad. He doesn't have a high-level arm, and he goes to take off to run way too early. Can't get through progressions. Mm-hmm. Does that sound exactly like what you saw last night? No, of course it does. This is what NFL, bad NFL teams do this. They think they're outsmarting the league. Oh, we'll get one over on you. You know who didn't do that? Andy Reid. Oh, we traded up and took Pat Mahomes, and that was such a reach. No, it wasn't. Because you know who was in love with Pat Mahomes? Scouts. People like me. I wasn't in love with him. I did have him ahead of Deshaun Watson. You did. Because he had a big arm, and I looked at it and went, you know, I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury got everything out of him that he had, and the arm talent is intoxicating. Jalen Hurts, we all universally looked at each other and went, can he be a weapon? Sure. Right. Does he does he serve a purpose in the NFL because he is a hard-nosed runner? He's built like a running back. Does he have a role? Sure. Is it a starting quarterback in the league? No. No, it's not. You watched him at Alabama. You watched him at Oklahoma. Guess what? There is a huge difference between the college football game and the NFL game. And Jalen Hurts proves it. But would you not kill a team for, for using that? I mean, I, I have. I've looked, I've looked down on the New Orleans Saints for the last three years while they've been doing this Taysom Hill special package thing. And now we got the San Francisco 49ers trying to do it with Trey Lance. No, because this is an imitation league. The Saints did it with Taysom Hill. They've scored a lot of touchdowns doing it. Is it the most efficient thing you've ever seen? No. But it's a change of pace. Yeah. When you don't have that Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert guy. You know who doesn't do that? Kansas City doesn't do that. Because any time I have the ball in somebody else's hands, it means I don't have it in Pat Mahomes' hands. Well, of course. When you're a mediocre team, you have to do things like that. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have faulted Philadelphia for that. What I fault you for is that you took a second-round pick, which is valuable draft capital. That's supposed to be a 10-year starter in this league. Two-contract starter. That's how this goes. First-round pick's supposed to be a career guy. Mm-hmm. Second-round pick's supposed to be a 10-year starter. Third-round pick's supposed to be full first-contract starter. And then you just hope on day three that you hit on a couple guys that can contribute. That's how you build teams in the NFL. They took one of those pieces, and Howie Roseman looked at the NFL and went, I'm smarter than you. I see something you don't see. No, you don't. You're wanting to see something. You're wanting to see something in him that's not there. Why? I don't know. Because he'll sell jerseys? I've heard that. That If that's true, then you don't deserve to be in the NFL. (laughs) All after his first game with Atlanta. They flashed that up last night during the game. The two seconds of the actual broadcast that I saw and not watching the Manning cast. That, oh, after the first game of the season, Jalen Hurts' jersey sales went up 500%. Congratulations. Of course, because nobody else was buying it. You know what that and a dollar will get you? (laughs) A (laughs) Coca-Cola. Philadelphia is bad. The play calling is just maddening. I don't. They ran understand. three times with running backs last I night. I don't understand having a running back like Miles Sanders. He may not be the most talented running back in the league, but he's one of them. He's divinely talented. Mm-hmm. And he ran twice mm-hmm. for twenty-seven yards. How do you do that? But how do you I, see I can a tell running you back go out there and average thirteen and a half yards per carry and go? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, anymore. I can tell you how you do that. Because Howie Roseman backed himself into a corner. 
He drafted Jalen Hurts, and so when he went out into the into the hiring process, the reason Doug Peterson got fired is because he saw exactly what I see. This is not an NFL quarterback. This is not an NFL arm. You can say what you want to. You can hope and wish and uh, whatever you want to do. This is not an NFL quarterback, period. He's not. And so he went out and found a coach that couldn't get another job. Nick yeah. Sirianni was not going to be the head coach of any other team in the NFL. So Harry Roseman looked at him and said, Jalen Hurts is our guy, right? Yeah, Howie, that's my guy. And now you get to ride this train right off the cliff. <laughs> Which it will fall pretty fast. Looking at the Philadelphia Eagles schedule for the rest of the season. It's not they won't be favored it. in a game until Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. They, they play Detroit on Halloween, and I'll be honest with you, I'll take Detroit right now. Sight unseen, I don't know the line, I really? don't care. You'll take you'll take t- Detroit, whatever the number don't is. Don't care. Because I know vaguely what it's going to be, because Detroit will never be more than a three-and-a-half point favorite on anybody. And I'll take that team that plays hard over whatever that abomination that I saw last night was. Right. Mm-mm-mm. But this is what happened, the, the old adage. When you listen to fans, give it some time, and you'll be sitting with them. Yep. Here you are. Here you are. Yep. And this goes back to, it's not just the Sirianni, it's not just the Jalen Hurts. There was another decision made in Philadelphia. That is why you were here. And in the 4 o'clock hour, I'll give you what that is. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. You're in the Sports Tank. Take all this, burn it. Okay, gasoline, kerosene, either one. Burn it. It's ESPN, Asheville, Tank Spencer, and Jeremy Green, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin today saying, we know we're one and two. We know we're in last place in the, uh, in the AFC North Division. But we're not ready to hit the panic button. We're not ready to change who we are at this juncture of the season. My question to you, Jeremy, is do you think that that's, that that's wise? It depends on what you mean by change who we are. If you're, if you're talking about changing who you were Sunday, you need to change that. Absolutely. Desperately. Uh, more than somebody who hasn't changed clothes in four <laughs> days needs to change their underwear. Right. You need to change that desperately right. because that was a train wreck. Right. You've got to figure out something. You've got to do something differently. To uh, how about this? How about not letting Ben Roethlisberger throw fifty times in a game? Fifty-eight. Yeah. How about not dumping it off to your running back nineteen times in the game? Um, How about going and on the because this is still a good team, and I think there might be options for you to to address that offensive line. If the offensive line is god awful, which they are. Ben Roethlisberger, the reason that he is uh, banged up is because he's getting hit like he's never been hit before. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is still out there. Russell Okung's still out there. I feel like those guys could maybe fill a hole on your offensive line. I think it's about panic button time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're young. The offensive line is very, very young, and they're playing. They're playing one guy out of position mm-hmm. because Dan Moore is playing tackle, and I, I always had him listed as a guard. Mm-hmm. He was a Texas A and M guy. Actually, got to meet his high school coach at one point. Nice, super nice guy, super nice kid. Apparently, I had him as guard. Well, you're playing him at tackle. That 
serves to be a little problematic. Mm-hmm. Acorafor has been. I'll be nice and say bad. <laughs> I want to use uh, Merriam-Webster words right here. No, no. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I always want to do yeah, that, but I, I can't do that here. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. The line's been bad. So how do you fix that? And, and see, I'm not one of these people that thinks three, week in, three weeks in the season, go get Mitchell Schwartz. See, that to me doesn't make any sense. Okay. You've had this 53-man roster together for weeks. You've gone through camp together. You've gone through all these... What do you have to do to protect Ben? Is it leaving a fullback, leaving a tight end? What, what, what do you have to do to protect him? You have very good weapons. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do you work the numbers in your favor? Mike Tomlin's a genius at this. He's done it forever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how shorthanded they've been in the secondary, they found a way. Whether it's hype up the pass rush, drop guys against whatever. It's going to be on a case-by-case basis. I understand what he's saying in that we're not ready to hit the panic button, especially out loud. Especially out loud, he's yes, going to say that. of course. Now, as soon as he went back through the curtain, I would say he probably went, uh, well, we can't, hit the, we can't hit the panic button again right. because we've already done that, <laughs> looking at Ben going, this is not good. Right. So you just have to cater to your strengths. They have players. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you. I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. In terms of looking at the depth chart, there are ways that you can rearrange the furniture on the Titanic to make this work. Joe Haig is a player. Yes, he is. Uh, He doesn't play right now. He hadn't played enough snaps this year as a swing tackle to even register. Mm -hmm. Dan Moore's playing as your left tackle. That's a guard. So maybe I'm thinking outside the box here, but Kendrick Green's been pretty good when he's been healthy. He's been dinged up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Kevin Dotson's been an absolute train wreck. Maybe we could slide old Dan Moore into the guard where he fits and put Joe Haig at left tackle or put a core for at left tackle, put Joe Haig at right tackle, mm-hmm. whatever. You're just going to have to do something. Or you're going to have to ride the thunder with this and get these guys some snaps together so that they can get acclimated to one another. You can't ask Ben to throw four out of every five plays, mm-hmm. which is what they did Sunday against Cleveland. Because you come up against a kid like Joe Burrow, he's just flat out better than you are. Like, at this point in his career, Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow is a better NFL quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger is, and it's not all that close. I'd agree. So if you get into a gunslinger battle with him, what's going to happen? You're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Because your defense lives on the field. The clock very rarely runs because he had a lot of incompletions. You couldn't run the ball at all. Yep. And so now all of the game script's against you. And I'm not trying to say I'm smarter than Mike Tomlin. I'm not. What I'm saying is that there are ways to fix this without... Oh, well, this guy's available. I'm not a big fan of that. Okay. Except in, you know, your case. In our case. Yeah. yeah. Richard Sherman. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Hey, Richard Sherman, (laughs) come on down. Come hang out and be our best corner. Yeah. We'll talk about He would be your best corner. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, We've got news on that front. Uh, We also have uh, news on the front of the Indianapolis Colts looking to trade one of their running backs since they have a room full of guys that are not being being used at the moment. Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, are a team that definitely needs to hit the panic button. They have to figure out something to get the onus off Ben Roethlisberger. He's been taking all of his lumps... In the media, you know, remember the offseason was all about how he had retooled and lost weight and he's best shape of his life and the arm looks live and it looks good. Yeah, what are we saying three weeks into the season? Ben Roethlisberger should have retired. 
every article that I have seen about the Pittsburgh Steelers first three weeks of the season says Ben Roethlisberger is washed and he needs to be gone. But they don't have a plan. There, there's not a backup. Uh, what are you going to do? Turn it over to Mason Rudolph? We see how that works. What are you going to do? Turn it over to Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, that's a, that's a prayer. That's a, that's down a the, Hail Mary. Well, throw. that's a Week 14 solution. Mm-hmm. If this goes completely off the skis. Their best chance to win football games today is still Ben Roethlisberger. And to me, that is Agreed. not even vaguely doubtable. Agreed, but you can't, you can't rely on him to throw the ball 60 times. No, you have to be balanced. Yeah. You have to be, this is exactly what I was hammering Nick Sirianni for. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course you got housed last night. You brought a knife to a gunfight trying to get into a shootout with Dak Prescott with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing Mike Tomlin did. It's just a name you know better and a guy you've seen be good, and so everybody loses their minds. Right. He was bad, yes. I don't think it's beyond any salvageable means. Do I look at the schedule and go, well, this is not going to be fun. But is it doable? Absolutely. Yeah. I understand why, you know, Pittsburgh media is up in arms and Pittsburgh fans are, are, are they're ready to hit the panic button. Cause you should. I mean, just oh, look, I mean it's look, going to be worse next contrast. week. I mean, it's going to be worse next week because they're going to go get just hammered in Lambo by Green Bay. Green Bay, yeah. But then after that, there's a lot of Vic Fangio, bad Seattle defense, the Browns. <laughs> the Bears, the Lions, rookie rookie head coach with the Chargers, the Bengals. There's just a lot of things that I'm going, okay, so I get a quarterback that has a Super Bowl ring. Granted, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I get one of the best coaches in the league. I'm not throwing dirt on you yet. I'm just not no. going to. No. Uh, you know, there are some people who want to, you know, Jump off the bridge because the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. You shouldn't. There's nothing that you should be jumping off a bridge over the Kansas City Chiefs for. Look, Look I'm a fan of a bad team. To. I'm a fan of a bad team. There is nothing that fans of bad teams like doing more than throwing dirt on good teams, historically good teams that start poorly. Yeah. A Jets fan loves throwing shade at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. You know why? Because we've watched them be good 17 times since the last time we were good. Right. <laughs> right, but I think there's a marked difference between that. You're crazy if you're talking about hitting the panic button with Kansas City. Not so crazy if you're talking about hitting the panic button with Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion. The same thing goes with the Seattle Seahawks. You're one and two, and you're getting ready to come up on a on a, on a sweet little interdivision matchup here that you could definitely be one and three by the end of this week. I just don't know how you fix it. That defense, you didn't do anything in the offseason to make it better. And to me, it's, uh, it's getting close. It's getting close to panic button time for the Seattle Seahawks. I just don't know what you do. How would you fix it? Seattle? Yeah. You're not going to fix it. I said that before the season. There's nothing you can do. You you have robbed Peter to pay Paul between the Jamal Adams deal and you know Russell Wilson. I put him in a completely separate entity Tyler Lockett has to be this good DK Mm -hmm. Metcalf has to be this good Mm -hmm. because you have to score 35 points to have a shot because your defense is a joke I would agree all right let's get just a bit outside the sports tag just a bit outside all right here's the 411 folks Tyron Woodley he wants his rematch 
with Jake Paul in the celebrity boxing circuit. Remember, they had the fight, and Tyron Woodley thought he won. He did not win, by the way. Um, I by no means am a boxing expert, but Tyron Woodley did not win that fight. Uh, Jake Paul gets the decision, and immediately Tyron Woodley says he wants a rematch. He says, you know what? Uh, We mentioned on a podcast that the loser of this fight gets tattooed. So you get that tattoo, and I'll give you the rematch. Well, he finally got the tattoo. Tyron Woodley got the I love Jake Paul tattoo, but I love where he got it. He got it on his middle finger. And he says uh, in a Twitter post, here's your tattoo showing the finger, much like Eli Manning did last night on Monday Night Football, and says, now how about that rematch? Let's do it. I love the fact that he's a man of his word. And it's in a place where, you know, I think he can. he's going to be able to get it covered up after he hopefully knocks Jake's Paul, Jake Paul's block off. Because I really, I'm with you on this. I want this to end. I, I need somebody to do it. We I don't care who it fight. is. We need a Royal Rumble-style event where a whole bunch of just professional fighters can take out the Paul brothers. Uh, I'm in. I'll enter that right now. <laughs> hey, you tell me there's 28 others in the ring? With, oh, 100%. I'll do that right now. <laughs> Last night was a good night for Dallas Cowboys fans, and today, even more good news for Cowboys fans. Oh, did Stephen A. Smith stop talking trash? Uh, no, that'll oh, never happen. Oh, okay. Emmett Smith, Cowboys legendary running back, is giving away a free dinner in his home to a fan. Well, that's sweet. There's only one caveat. Yeah? You have to buy the home What to the tune of $2.2 million. Well, that's not a deal. His realtor came out today and said he will have... A lovely dinner in this home with whoever buys it. They just had to buy it for $2.2 million. Uh huh. Well, I guess I'm out of the running of that contest. Emmett said that some of his greatest memories in the home were Thanksgivings around his, his gigantic dining room table. By the way, the house has a dining room that sits 22 people comfortably. Of course it does. That's a very large. Here's the thing I don't understand though the pool is like really small. The pool looks like a pool that would be on a hotel. That maybe you rent the rooms by the hour. <laughs> like I thought when I heard Emmett Smith's house and there were pictures right. and everything in this house is super lavish. Right. There's a big NFL pool table room. There's a pool table with NFL felt on it. It's got nice NFL carpeting. There's a theater that has Emmett Smith jerseys in the back. That's killer. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful house. The office. The, do you get it fully furnished like that? I, I don't know. It, yeah, I didn't see that. No. See, that'd, be a, that'd be a catch, too. Everything in this house is fantastic, and then you get to the pool, and it looks like it belongs out of a, like behind a Motel 6. Oh, It's like, uh, okay, like, I, <laughs> I'm going to need to allocate some extra yeah. funds to fix that up. Cause oh, that, yeah. The curb side on that is not what I would like it to be for $2.2 million. No, I'm going to need a very large pool for uh, for $2.2 million, much like Mark Davis's new house. Yeah, that without a doubt, having a pool, most overrated thing. There are a handful of things in this life that are just super overrated to me. Mm-hmm. Pool, on your, pool in your house, mm-hmm. uh, living on a golf course. Mm-hmm. I've never understood why people want to live on golf courses. It's pretty. I mean, I get that. I love to play golf. I get it. However, I love to play golf. And there are times that I do it after 
I don't know, 19 or 20 beverages. Oh, geez. And I've seen me tear a ball off in the woods that would go through four windows at the same time. Right. So unless you have Waffle House bulletproof windows in your house, I do not understand what the perk of that is. Well, I mean, if you have the money to be able to live next to a golf course, chances are you probably got pretty good insurance. Here's the thing. The insurance doesn't cover it. My wife's an insurance agent. She explained this to me one time. The person that hits it is actually responsible for that. Yeah. Let me just let me let me go ahead and tell you, as you as someone that doesn't play golf, let me go ahead and tell you, especially since she told me that. Uh, Here's how that goes. I am colorblind. So I have to play fire red golf balls so I can see them. Mm-hmm. I keep a white golf ball in my pocket. So if I tear one off in the woods, I can go, nope, not, my not mine. <laughs> playing playing these. <laughs> I don't play those blind guy fire red balls. That's not mine. Or you go, I'm done with this hole. Let's go on the next one. Right. I got to go. Don't even walk by I that feel house. like somebody going to come looking for whoever hit that. Okay. And I don't want to be that guy anymore. All right. So maybe maybe I was just you know speaking out of ignorance on the whole insurance thing. But well, I'm sure that you money. can do something where, you, where your insurance will pay for those things. Uh-huh. But I have been told by multiple people at golf courses that it is actually the person that hits its fault. Yeah. Which is why I now hit driver less at really tight golf courses. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to replace the bay window in your house that you put facing a golf course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here was the other part of that, though. Uh, the, the fact that you have the money to live next to the golf course, she probably means you. I got enough money to pay for that window. Yeah. My best friend on this planet just built a house on a golf course. I told him this exact same theory. Yeah. He lives in South Carolina. He told me, when you see the house, you'll understand why that's not a problem. There are so many trees around his house. I don't think even me, with my Thor's hammer driver, could get a golf ball through there. Oh, no. Knowing your luck, that's exactly how that would go. Oh, You'd I've hit told it straight him. into the trees, and it would go through every tiny hole to hit that house. Oh, he's, he's in a dog leg, too. I've told him, yeah. oh, I'm coming, and I'm going for it. I'm going for the green and one every time I play this hole. I would so mess with people, though, if I had that. Like, uh, my wife showed me a TikTok video the other day of a guy that lives on a golf course. A guy hits it over it, and so the guy comes up toward the fence to look for the ball, and the dad was laying next to the ball like he was unconscious, just messing with the guy. That would be me. That would be me if I lived on a golf course. I hit a nine iron at Reams Creek. There's a there's a little house right beside a hole at Reams Creek. Mm-hmm. I bounced it off the roof. It hit the deck, bounced over the deck, hit the cart path, landed on the green, and I went, "Yep, that's exactly how I meant to do that." That there, well, there was there was no accident there. That was skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's ever played that golf course knows exactly what hole I'm talking about. Not the golf guy, so I don't know exactly what hole you're talking about, but I will uh, I will take I will bet I get at least one message on social media of it's blank hole at yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always said you couldn't yeah. pay me enough to live in that house. Because it would just be you're sitting there all day like, yeah, there's no one. Yeah. It's man, that roof is aging poorly. That's a lot of golf balls that bounced off that roof. <laughs> Uh, last night on Monday Night Football, yes, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 41 to 21. So you would think that with a, you know, a lopsided victory inside the division, the winner, the, the, the coach of the winning team wouldn't be taking too many lumps today. But that's just not the case. Poor Mike McCarthy. He can't, 
You know, darned if he does and darned if he doesn't. Everybody talking about his clock management skills or lack thereof today after that game. Obviously, they had the the game against the Los Angeles Chargers where he didn't call a timeout down at the end of going down, you know, as the clock is ticking away in that Chargers game. And then he comes up with the excuse that the clocks in the stadium that he was watching went out or off the video board or something. And they just, we just lost track of time. We just lost track of time. And the, you know, the, the, the coaches in the booth had to call down and say, Hey, you need to call time out right now. We're not going to have time to kick this field goal. Well, last night in the second quarter of their game with the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously they had a huge lead, but it's coming down to the end of the second quarter and there's, Two minutes left on the clock. And I get that you had a ways to go. You had a third and 24 play that, you know, you could have called a timeout, try to get some of that, uh, you know, stop the clock. You, you got two in your pocket going toward halftime. Let's try to put some more points on the board. Let's go after it. He didn't call a timeout before the third and 24 play. Then they ended up getting 19 yards, and now it's a fourth and five with a minute and two seconds to go. Now, what would you do in that scenario? Would you just punt the ball away and be done with it? Or would you try to go for it on fourth and five at midfield with a minute to go in the first half? Uh, is Jalen Hurts still my quarterback? Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the opposing team. Your quarterback is Dak Prescott. Well, they had the Philadelphia had the ball with a minute to go. Oh, that's right. And so yeah, he's trying to get the ball back. Yeah, Philadelphia had the ball a minute to go. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I was sitting there here the whole time going, what are you scared of? I would have called every time out I had, like, I'll give you six shots right. at this, and I don't think you can like, you can convert like, on me. Give me the ball back. And Peyton Manning, I loved it. That's why I love watching the Manning broadcast, because he he's unfiltered, and he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. He's screaming at his television, going, call a timeout! Get the ball back. Do something. Well, here's the thing, and this would be my argument to Peyton. I don't disagree with you. That's yeah. exactly what I would have done. Yeah. Here's my thought with my if I'm Mike McCarthy. I don't have to. I don't have to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry, and I want to go have a sandwich, and if I call a timeout, that's going to make me wait on my sandwich for I another guess. minute. I mean, I guess that's what he was thinking, but again, you're you're up 20-7 to 7 at that point. Try to make something happen, though. Now, I'm that guy. I want the ball back. I don't care if there's 35 seconds left. I want the ball back. I'm going to call the timeout. I'm going to save the time as much as possible. I'm not going to burn all my timeouts just in case I get close enough. And then I can call a timeout to kick a field goal at the buzzer if I need to or whatever is going to unfold. It's this whole thing of you got the timeouts. Why don't you use them? You know, we've had this argument forever amongst Tar Heel fans about Roy Williams not using his timeouts. Sometimes it plays in his favor. Sometimes, actually most of the time, you think maybe not. Maybe it didn't happen. You know, the one time that he didn't call a timeout in the national championship game, it worked in our favor. But there again, if you got the timeouts, use them. Well, it's just a philosophical difference. I mean, Mike McCarthy, I can tell you, he would never come out and say what he was thinking. And that's one of the things that really irritates me about these questions is that you know he's not going to tell you the truth. What he was thinking is, there are a lot of things that can go bad. All right, let's say they punt it to me and Cedric Wilson drops it. And now I give the ball to Jalen Hurts on the 10-yard line. Right. He's not getting to the 10-yard line by himself. 
<laughs> so why would I tempt fate? You want to? I it. don't need to do that. Right. It's one thing if this is a shootout and we have stopped somebody that I am legitimately scared of scoring on me. Yeah, I'm not scared of you scoring on me. Yeah. So why? I don't know. It was just it was just odd watching the seconds tick off the clock and the cameras focused in on Mike McCarthy and he's standing there with a referee and he looked completely clueless. He oh, looked yeah. like he wanted to call the timeout. Yeah, and he went, "I don't." Is it the T? How do I do this? Hey, right. And then what ended up happening? Uh, Philadelphia ends up taking the penalty on the delay of game, letting the clock run completely out. And then they kicked it off, and Dallas got it and nailed it out. And it was a very uneventful end to the first half. I mean, I'm not shocked that Peyton Manning was up in arms about that because he's mm-hmm. a quarterback. Yeah. I want the ball in my hands. And if, like I said, if it was something if they were scared, like they thought this was a scarce opportunity mm-hmm. and they needed to score the points, I would probably be a little more up in arms. But I'm sitting here watching it going, I think Dallas could go home and Philadelphia couldn't, <laughs> Philadelphia couldn't make up th- a three-touchdown deficit. <laughs> I get it. I mean, but it's it's splitting hairs. I get it. It's go. It's right before halftime. In the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter because Dallas goes on and wins 41 to 21 I did one of my favorite I, would, I just feel like I would go for it one of my favorite parts of last night Lisa Salters who does a fantastic job for ESPN as a sideline reporter mm-hmm. she talked to Nick Sirianni at halftime and he said it's really important that we come out and establish some rhythm and and uh, you know the first drive of the because she asked how important is the first drive and he said epically important not two plays after she said that's when he th- when uh, Jalen Hurts threw that pick six to Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, and I went. Well, <laughs> I posted on Twitter. Uh, did you say it had to be Eagles points? Right, because I gave you points. The other way. Well, you know, this this story about Mike McCarthy and his clock management just led me to Jeremy and I got into a very interesting discussion yesterday about win probabilities and strategies down at the end of the game and there was an article yesterday that just absolutely broke my mind it broke my mind because i'd never thought about football in the analytical sense of win probabilities and just how much your win probability can drop if you don't waste time on the clock and you give superstar quarterbacks a chance to win the game. And it broke my brain that it broke your brain. <laughs> it did. If you've ever wondered the discrepancies in how we think about this game, we're going to explain it to you in the next segment. Exactly. Uh, and I also came to the realization that maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm more like Matt LaFleur than I expected. We'll explain it. Coming up next. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I am Clarissa Marshall with EXP Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. Here in Beer City, we take homegrown seriously. And since 2012, Wicked Weed Brewing has been pushing the boundaries of the industry. They've not only created staples like the Freak of Nature Double IPA, Lieutenant Dank, and Pernicious, but they also opened the first sour beer tap room on the East Coast. Wicked Weed has also supported our local community to the tune of $1.6 million with the Beers That Build program. Visit one of their four locations, schedule a brewery tour, or place an order for pickup or delivery. WickedWeedBrewing.com 
All right, it's the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. And, yeah, it, it, so the article yesterday from the, uh, this is from the Next Gen Stats Analytics crew, It, I mean, it just kind of broke my brain because it's talking about leaving time on the clock for the best stars in the NFL and how if you give them the ball at the end of the game, you know, it's your win probability. Win probability is going to drop, and it made me think of the NFC Championship game last year. Remember the Green Bay Packers? Just over two minutes to go in the game, they got a fourth and eight, fourth and goal at the eight yard line, and they opted to kick the field goal. And, and it was the wrong decision. It was then. the wrong decision. Yeah, it was the wrong decision. You should have gone for the touchdown. Should have gone for the tie with the two point conversion because mm-hmm. you're down by eight. Now. They decide to kick the field goal. Hopefully, they'll get the ball back. Well, you're giving Tom Brady the ball. Of course, you're not getting the ball back. He's going to get the time. You know, he's going to get the yardage good enough to wind out the clock, and that's exactly what happened. And here you go. You're going home. They're going to the Super Bowl. But it kind of broke my brain thinking about the Chargers and the Chiefs game this past weekend. The Chargers are trailing 24 to 21, fourth and goal from the six yard line of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now. They opted to go for the field goal to tie the game rather than try to get the touchdown with, you know, at six yards. When the ball went through the uprights, their win probability actually dropped. Yeah, because Pat Mahomes got the ball back. Because Pat Mahomes got the ball back with 37 seconds to go. It it, It broke my brain thinking, well, how could that possibly be? Because if you had gone for it and not gotten it, you're done. You're toast. You lose the game. 24 to 21. How does it hurt you that bad to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes? Because there are a great range of outcomes that can beat you. Yeah. I I don't know. And then and then you had the next case where they end up scoring a touchdown. By the way, that field goal is with 215 to go. They scored a touchdown with 32 seconds to go. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. No, I was just saying you had the time wrong. You said 37 seconds oh, did for I say it was 30. Oh, excuse me. Okay, so anyway. Yes, I had the time wrong. So 217 remaining, kick the field goal, tie it up 24-24. Your win probability drops because now Patrick Mahomes has a timeout in his pocket, plus he's got the two-minute warning. He's got all the things going in his favor to be able to get that game-winning drive. Well, then Chargers get the ball back, and they scored a touchdown with 36 seconds remaining, with the score tied 24-24. Their win probability dropped again mm-hmm. because now you left 36 seconds on the clock for Patrick Mahomes to come back and win the game. And it dropped precipitously when they missed the PAT. Yeah, it did. And th- and that's the other thing that kind of broke my brain about this was, okay, so because the, the argument is the safe play there would have been just run out the clock. That's 100% the safe play. It's what John Gruden did in the Dolphins-Raiders game. Yeah, run out the clock. Kick the field goal at the end of the game, and you're done. It was the fact that Mike Williams got wide open, and maybe it was by design by the Chiefs, to let him score in order to get the ball back at the end of the game to try to have, you know, to try to win it. But you're up six points, but they say bleed the clock, kick the field goal. Well, the next time the field goal kicker came out, he missed it. He, he, he missed the extra point. Mm-hmm. Which at that point it would have been, you know, the the field goal would have been no more than an extra point. Well, the field goal would have been shorter because the extra points from the fifteen yard line. Yeah, 
That's, I mean, that's kind of my point. But I don't know. You I don't just, ever want to leave time on the clock. Yeah. And I told you what just happened in San Francisco Green Bay. Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk scored, and I got news for you. That safety carried him in the end zone. <laughs> right. You are not going down to the one-yard line. Right. You're coming in with me. Why? Because now I get the ball with 37 seconds left, and Aaron Rodgers gets the ball. And at least I have a chance. How many times have we watched Aaron Rodgers do that or Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. And you a give bunch. them the ball with 40 seconds to go, and oh, you should not have done that. A bunch. You ought not done that. Yeah. I don't know. At the, at the point that they scored the touchdown, though, the winning probability dropped from 98% to 96% just because... Patrick Mahomes is getting the ball back. Because now he has a shot. Yeah. If you kick the field goal, the only he bad no thing shot. that can happen is the kick is blocked. Either you miss it or mm-hmm. the kick is blocked and they return it. Mm-hmm. So you have virtually no shot of losing. And that's just the analytical way of looking at football. Yeah. I don't know. It just made me think, well, maybe I'm more like Matt LaFleur than I thought I was. Because we railed against him for kicking that field goal. And I laughed every time you said that because I was sitting there thinking, there is no doubt you would have kicked that field goal. Me? I have zero oh, yeah. doubt you would have kicked that field goal. Oh yeah, I'm just now. Me? I'm just not a. I'm not. I'm just not an all in push your chips to the center of the table kind of guy. I, I look at that coach from Presbyterian and go, okay, you've gone a little overboard. <laughs> all right, you're sitting out here airing it out down fifty six to nothing to Campbell. Right. You should probably not do that. Yeah. But as soon as I cross the fifty. The punter is irrelevant now. All right. We'll talk major decisions that have tanked NFL franchises and, uh, you know, some of the decisions that have boosted franchises as well in the NFL. Coming up next here on ESPN Asheville. This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm, I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252 4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere, live or on demand on the iHeartRadio app. It's a Tuesday afternoon in the second hour of the program. As always, brought to you by Wicked Weed Brewing. Check out our friends at wickedweedbrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing, drink different this week in the NFL. We've seen, uh, well, the the bad teams seem to get worse. (laughs) The good teams, there was a couple of them that, that struggled. I mean, you know, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Dropping another game. One to two, one and two start, not the way that you really wanted your season to go. Or the season to start out. That's but, okay. They get that Eagles team this week. I, I think they'll be just oh, yeah. fine. It's, re- the, it's, it's getting ready to come back to the mean. So, no panic mode there. Jeremy, this morning in the sportsocracy, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the week in the NFL, and you're just, you're just so, I don't know, it, baffled's not the right word, but it's just, you, you get confirmed every day that these teams get worse and worse and worse because you say you can trace it all back to one to two decisions that each one of these franchises has made that led them down this path. Every bad team in the NFL, there's a decision you can go back to, and the bad thing is the vast majority of them, you knew when it happened. Yeah. That is why you are where you sit right now. Okay. I'll start with my team. Your New York Jets. Because I know this team so 
unbelievably well. <laughs> okay. Do you remember when the Jets hired Adam Gase? Yeah. And vaguely. everybody went, well, that was weird. Yep. Uh, I don't. Uh, that, guy okay. that, was, that guy that was really bad in Miami? The guy who had Ryan Tannehill, and then he... Okay. Well, that hadn't happened yet. So, But they kept the GM. Mike McCagnan was the GM at the time. Yes. And him and Adam Gase absolutely hated each other. They couldn't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. So they go through the free agent process. You pick up Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley and all of these things. And then they fire him the week after the draft. So you let a guy, you had 10 draft picks, and you let a guy make all of these picks, and then you fire him. Mm -hmm. Well, how many of those guys were left on the roster? Oh, I'll tell you. It's two. Two? It's two. Yikes. And you've traded Jamal Adams. You've done all these things. Now you've entrusted Joe Douglas. Mm -hmm. And everything's good with Joe Douglas. Mm -hmm. But you would let Mike McCagnan make the pick on Sam Darnold. So, Darnold, I don't think anybody doubted Sam Darnold was the more talented of the two quarterbacks, but then comes the problem of the money. The team option comes up this year, or after this season. Carolina's obviously going to plan on picking that up. Right. But you're going to pay him $20 million. They didn't view him to be a $20 million quarterback. Zach Wilson is $7 million. Mm -hmm. They didn't think Sam Darnold was three times as good as Zach Wilson. Those combination of things is how you got here. This is how you spin in a circle forever because you keep firing GMs. New GMs come in. What does a new GM want? Their own coach and their own quarterback. Yep. Because that's who my legacy is attached to. So I'm going to pick my own guy, somebody that I'm comfortable with. The New York Giants. I can tell you to the day where theirs happened. It was December the 28th of 2017. That's the day they hired Dave Gettleman. <laughs> Do you know what the record is since that day? It's 18 and 49. Yeah. And Dave Gettleman's the one that took Daniel Jones because he thought he was smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see it in Daniel Jones. He was coached by David Cutcliffe. This kid really knows how to play quarterback. And if Disney cast a movie about Peyton Manning, Daniel Jones would play Eli. <laughs> I want him to be the quarterback of the New York Giants. Right. It's been a disaster. Mm-hmm. An absolute unmitigated disaster. And so you look at all the things they've done. Look at what the Giants have done to try to make Daniel Jones better. You reach for Andrew Thomas, who they apparently view as a left tackle, and <laughs> apparently that means they don't watch tape uh, in the Giants' locker room because he is bad. So you reach there. You overpay for Kenny Galladay. You've got, you take, you've got Evan Ingram, who's supposed to be the, that's the safety valve for Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Think of all these. You take Kadarius Tony this year because what helps a quarterback more than a good slot receiver? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what is one that can run a route for five hundred, Alex? <laughs> that that tends to help more, right? And you just look at all these things. So you take one bad decision, and then you get all these tentacles that come off of them. It's all it all ties back to Dave. Would Gettleman. you would you include Saquon in all of that? Taking Saquon Barkley with the number two pick. Yes. But that goes back to Gettleman. Mm-hmm. Gettleman did that because what does Dave Gettleman love? Big linemen and aggressively running the football in good defense. And what was it that Brian Haynes used to say, our partner on the sports talk? Uh, hog mollies. Hog mollies. Loves him some hog mollies. Yeah, yeah. Well, about that. You <laughs> he, don't have any of those. He likes all the bad ones. Yeah, you don't have any of those. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got this Giants team that's just completely listless because you have a quarterback that you've had to spend all this money and all this draft capital to try to pad things around him to make him look better because you're making up for him. 
secret time, we'll be saying the same thing about the Cleveland Browns two years from now. Will Baker. You just just remember that I said it. Okay. Because all of their draft capital, what they've done so famously well, is they've drafted well. Mm-hmm. They took Jedrick Wills and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and Greg Newsom and all these players that were the best player on the board. When Baker's making $35 million, you can't do that. Daniel Jones is so bad that it doesn't matter that he makes $8 million. You still spent money, and you're still over budget because you've been trying to pad to make him look better. Right. And you're still brutal. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles, team we saw last night. You think I'm going to say it's when they took Jalen Hurts. Yeah. It's not. It's before that? It's when they picked Carson Wentz over Nick Foles. You had this decision made for you. Carson Wentz has been perpetually hurt. Fact or fiction? Fact. Not really been a problem with Nick Foles, is it? No. He worked in that offense. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Nick Foles was the better quarterback. I didn't agree with that at the time. I don't agree with it now. But all of my, you know, all of my Philly people have said, we love Nick Foles. We would have never turned on Nick Foles the way we did on Carson Wentz because he brought us a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. We didn't attach that to Carson Wentz. So the fan base starts turning on him, which leads to you doing what? Something stupid. Taking a quarterback that you think will help Carson Wentz. It never made any sense to me because this is a kid that Philly fans watched win a national title with Alabama and as the quarterback in Oklahoma and they went, that kid can play quarterback because the average fan does not get that just because you're a good college quarterback doesn't make you a good pro quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was I said that literally not 30 seconds after they drafted him. You, myself, and Cowboy uh, Zach Hurst did that draft that year live on YouTube. Yes. Did I not say that instantaneously after I took him? You did. You watch. This is going to turn on you. Fans short for fanatic, and fanatics are not necessarily rational. Mm -hmm. So we've got a quarterback that we invested a second-round pick in. They turned on Carson. They wouldn't have turned on Nick Foles like that. He brought them a ring, and it would have unified the team, and he had the locker room, and he had everything. All of the things. And then you wouldn't have had to pay him. You wouldn't be stuck in the dead cap hell that you're in right now. You wouldn't have had to make all these moves to pad this team for Devontae Smith. You think they'd have traded up to get Devontae Smith if, if Nick Foles was the quarterback? Because I don't. Yeah. I don't. Because you have to give Jalen Smith or Jalen Hurts a quarterback that can get open like that for him to even look like an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do that with Nick Foles. I don't know. I did. That's, 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 that's the first one that you've said that I'd disagree with you on. It, it's just, to me, that's hindsight's twenty twenty. At the that's moment. That's the point. But at, of course hindsight's twenty twenty. Taking Daniel Jones could have worked out. I'm not saying yeah, that you shouldn't have gonna. done this. I'm not saying this is what you should have done. I'm saying this is a decision that turned the fortunes okay, of your franchise. All right, I see. Since they made that decision, are they a winning team or a losing team? Sure, they're a losing team. There you go. Yeah. You won a Super Bowl, and since then, you're six games below 500. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% the crux of the decision. I, uh, yeah, I guess. I guess that is the crux of the decision. It's just, but at the time, they, there was ne- the never, time there's never a chance they would have made that at decision. At the time, doesn't matter. Yeah. Look at it on the other side. The Buffalo Bills trade down with, with Kansas City. Kansas City goes up and get Pat, gets Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Everybody remembers that part. They don't remember the other part. What did Buffalo get? Buffalo got Tredavious White, Mm -hmm. who is the corner that makes that defense work. They used the other first-round pick on Tremaine Edmonds. They used one of the ancillary picks on Deion Dawkins. And the next year, they were picking at seven, and guess who fell right in their lap? Because they didn't hire a GM until after that draft was over. Josh Allen. That's why they didn't take a quarterback. That's why you don't do that. 
Chicago Bears, yeah. looking right at you. That's why you don't make a decision on a quarterback when you've got a team, when you've got a front office team and a head coaching and a coaching staff that's got one foot in a grave and one foot on a banana peel. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it, now you're in this flux of the front office doesn't trust the quarterback, the quarterback doesn't feel like he's getting the full support of the front office, and now you're just chasing your tail around each other. Right. That's why the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC, and the Chicago Bears are an absolute unmitigated disaster of a train wreck. Never would I ever have thought that uh, not keeping Nick Foles would be the downfall of the Philadelphia Eagles. Neither would I. I wouldn't have thought it in the moment. (laughs) But when I go back and go, where did this fall apart? Right there. Right there. Because then you had Carson Wentz, who was perpetually hurt. Mm -hmm. So Carson Wentz perpetually hurt makes Howie Roseman go, I need to invest high in draft capital in a backup quarterback. Yes. Because your quarterback's hurt all the time. Well, that wasn't a problem with Nick Foles. And Carson Wentz is hurt all the time. You didn't win us the Super Bowl. Nick did. Mm-hmm. And we picked you over Nick. And Philly fans, I'm telling you, I don't, do I agree with this? No, not really. But there are Philly fans that think if Nick Foles had been the quarterback, they'd still be a Super Bowl contender. Oh, of course they do. Fans short for, short for fanatic. Got, right. It doesn't mean they have to be rational. Right. Who did they build the statue to? They built the Nick Foles statue outside the stadium. There you go. Yeah. And that's where everything came tumbling out. All right, uh, fun game. Let's do the uh, ooh. Let's do the Jacksonville Jaguars next. That one's really simple to me, mm-hmm. and it goes back a long way. It's hiring Tom Coughlin. You brought in Tom Coughlin. He turned all of the star players against the team: Leonard Fournette, Jalen Ramsey, on and on and on. What's the problem of the Jaguars now? You don't have any stars. Mm-hmm. All of your stars are rookies. Or second or third year guys. Yeah, because you shipped all of them out of town. Yeah, they're all gone. Because they all hated Tom Coughlin. Because you had this young, scrappy team with Blake Bortles and... uh, Good gracious, Mm -hmm. the the turn in that roster is Mm -hmm. mind-boggling. So what do you bring in for that? You don't bring in a Sean McVay or... I'm just trying to think of a GM, a John Lynch or somebody like that, that's a younger guy that understands how to relate to players. You bring in crusty old, wind-blown-faced Tom Coughlin, (laughs) who five minutes early is ten minutes late. Are you out of your mind? That would be like bringing in... uh, who Who is the oldest celebrity you can think of? I'm trying to think of... Morgan Freeman... No, that one doesn't work. (laughs) That one doesn't work. He's too cool. No, that one doesn't work. I'm completely blanking on this. This would be like bringing in George W. Bush to run your social media campaigns. Like, like you think W's good on TikTok? Because I don't. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I like that analogy better than any other one you could have come up with. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason I used him is because there's a picture of him on the sidebar of my screen right now. (laughs) George W. Bush. Okay, that's the decision for the Jaguars. Great success with the Texas Rangers but, once, <laughs> but then you think about it. You, so you go down the down the rabbit hole. Mm. Tom Coughlin and and Doug Marone are tied at the hip. Yep. So they won't get rid of Doug Marone. He should have been fired two years before he was. Agreed. He had lost that team completely. So what do you always do? This is another. I, I use a lot of Colin Cowherd theories. Yeah. It's the reverse theory. You have the friend that dates the girl that's just. Blonde haired, blue eyed, bombshell, too much makeup, sports car, all that. They break up. Who does he date after that? Yeah, the boring girl. The librarian. Yeah. The girl that she's just she's yeah. she's just as sweet as she can be, but she's really calm. <laughs> right. You don't go out drinking until four o'clock at night. That's right. what they did with Urban Meyer. 
Doug Marone was boring as dishwater. So what did they do? They went and hired the sexy hire of Urban Meyer. And now you're a train wreck. Yeah. It is the worst thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah, now you've got the the sexy new hire, and she's putting her cigarettes out on your couch. (laughs) I mean, at least those other teams, I, I can pull little tiny positives from them. The the Jacksonville Jaguars have none, in my opinion. No, they have one. It's Trevor Lawrence, and the quit and the more times you put him back there to get killed, and you're mm-hmm. asking him to do entirely too much. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched the All Twenty Two on Jacksonville. The amount of things that Trevor Lawrence is being asked to do with the line is staggering. I mean, I swear to you, I don't think Pat Mahomes is asked to do as much at the line of scrimmage as Trevor Lawrence is right now. Right, and that's dumb. I understand trial by fire, but you got to give the kid an opportunity. Right. He's gotten dump truck twice that I've seen solely because. So when you say he's being asked to do too much, he's making up every call on the field. Okay, so every he's calling call. the blocking schemes. He's, he's calling, calling everything. Everything. Wow. At least that's what it looks like. I can't right. know that because I don't know what all the what all the verbiage means. I can tell you he is doing light years more at the line yeah. than Mac Jones is doing in New England. Okay. All right. All right. So the Jackson- give me another one. We didn't prep any more of these. So. <laughs> so the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, uh, the Houston Texans. Where did that go wrong? Oh, can I tell you where I think it went wrong? Hiring Bill O'Brien. I wasn't going to go hiring Bill O'Brien. I was going to go with giving Bill O'Brien the autonomy over the entire program. Yeah, and see, my thought because would be I that- think he was a good coach. I think Bill Bryan, Bill O'Brien was a good coach. However, when you made him the GM of that and you team, made it worse. It made it worse, yeah. But see, here would be, and here's the behind closed doors. Why did Bill O'Brien become the GM of that team? Because nobody wanted to work with him. Mm, yeah. Because he was a jerk. Because he was a because he was a Bill Belichick disciple of, I've got Super Bowl rings. I know more than you. So no GM in the league wanted to tie themselves to him. Right. And he had a butt chin that I, <laughs> I want to stick my finger in. Like... It's the only thing I ever think of with Bill O'Brien. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's when you decided to give Bill O'Brien full reign. Of that I would go back to hiring him. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm officially to the point of I would never hire a New England Patriot assistant ever. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Brian Flores, going, "Man, you get a lot of latitude that I do not understand. Yeah. I do not get what it is that gives you this autonomy of we just all assume you're such a good coach, and you've been pretty dreadful." You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Yeah, uh, when it comes time to make tough decisions, you better hope you make the right one because making the wrong one could lead you down a path, whether it be, you know, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, where it just, it's a slow eating dumpster fire, or. Heck, it could be a very quick turnaround like we've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles. You just never know. The season we've all been waiting for is here. No, not that one. The season of the Big Orange Tent is underway in Western North Carolina. The area's largest selection of Halloween costumes, decorations, and accessories is at the Big Orange Tent at the Asheville Mall. Halloween Express is your one-stop shop for adult and child costumes, superheroes, horror icons, inflatable suits. You can find it all under the Big Orange Tent at the Asheville Mall. 10 to 8 Monday through Saturday, 12 to 6 on Sundays. It's ESPN Asheville. Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green here with you. And uh, week week three of the NFL season is now in the books. This morning we went over all your uh, all all your waiver wire pickups for the week. 
the priority needs to be set tonight because those waivers will go through. Uh, you know, about 3 o'clock in the morning. So if you're interested in that, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash thesportsocracy. We've also begun um, putting out our team-by-team videos that we will do each and every week. Every team in the NFL will do the recap of the last week's game, preview of the upcoming game, and this week, this week in the NFL, has some fantastic matchups. By some, you mean two? Two. I see two. No. There are All right, you got Carolina and the Cowboys. Uh-huh. That one's that that one's really really good. Mhm. That's arguably the game of the week to me cuz there's one other one that's real close. Carolina and the Cowboys. Carolina and the Cowboys is one. Yeah. I see one more that is really tantalizing. Uh, and that's it, the Raiders Chargers. I was going to say, if it's not the Monday Night Football game, you're doing it wrong. It's Raiders Chargers. Yeah. And then you have the NFC West battles mm-hmm. that are going on Seattle and San Francisco, Arizona and the Rams. Arizona's going to get boat raced by the Rams. You think so? Cliff Kingsbury had Urban Meyer coach circles around him for a half. <laughs> They're going to get demolished. Okay. And the Seattle Seahawks are going to get d- demolished by the 49ers. You think so? Absolutely. Joey Bosa has already hit Russell Wilson six times. <laughs> his leg right, is twitching, I mean, sitting on his couch right now, waiting to yeah. get after Russell Wilson. Yeah, they did just uh, they did just drop one to the Minnesota Vikings. So, and then pretty think? much the rest of the schedule is dog water. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least you have the. At least you have the Tom story going back to New England. That's a fun storyline. The game's not going to be that fun. No, I don't know who at NBC came up with the idea to use Adele (laughs) for the promos, but I want to buy that person a beer. It was beautiful. And I don't know how much they paid for it. It was worth every cent. I bet I've watched that commercial 60 times. Right. I I was watching that live, and I heard the... And I perked up like, they're not going to use Adele for this. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. Tom Brady going back to New England, and it's the only team that he hasn't beaten in the NFL. The rest of this schedule is dog water. I want, Stopping starting oh, yeah. with Thursday. Oh, yeah. Thursday is, I don't know that you could pick two less appetizing teams to watch on Thursday night football. Than the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is as bad as it gets. Oh, I mean, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you're going to like that game. Uh, yeah, I, and then you're going to tweet me and go, "I'm here for the fir- for the third <laughs> of many victories." I still maintain you're saying five in the right. strangest way I've ever. I've never seen five spelled M A N Y. Right. Uh, I pulled this stat because I want to play this fun little game with you. So Tom Brady's going back to New England, right? Mm-hmm. It's the only team he's not beaten in his NFL career. Now, while he's beaten every other team, can you name the four teams that he's never lost to? The Jets. No, I know no, he has lost he has to the Jets. It just feels like he's never lost to the Jets. <laughs> there are four teams that Tom Brady is undefeated against. I feel like these have to be predominantly NFC teams. Yes. The Cardinals? No. Hmm. The Lions. No. Okay, I'm out. Oh, he did lose the Lions. I was on a cruise. I totally forgot. <laughs> oh, that was a good day. That was Man, good day. that was a good day. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, one, two, they, he's already played this year. Uh, he is 8-0 against the Atlanta Falcons. He is 6-0 and 
against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. Wow. The other two teams, one is his current team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I should have known that one. That was the layup, and I missed it. Yeah, he is 4-0 and against Tampa, and he is also 6-0 and against the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. Now, further question... Can you tell me the only NFL team that Tom Brady has a losing record against? Again, I feel like this has to be an NFC team. It is. A losing record against. Yeah, by the way, his record against this team is 1-2. and two. Green Bay Packers. Nope. It's the Seattle Seahawks. That was the other one I was going to say. <laughs> it's the Seattle Seahawks. That is, that is remarkable. That a guy who has been in the year in the league twenty years has a losing record to only one team in the NFL, and you wonder why I wear my goat sweatshirt. Ugh. Can we stop with that term, by the way? The goat. Goat. No. He's the goat. No. I, I, have I told you my new? But every time somebody says he's the goat, I, I I have the same reaction every time. Okay. I just bleed at them. Oh, like a goat. No. <laughs> Goat. That's a goat. Tom Brady's a quarterback. Okay, he's not a goat. He's not. I mean, are we really so lazy that we have to acronym greatest of all time? Sure. Into goat. Sure. I mean, are we that busy? Do we have that many TikTok videos to watch and tweets to send (laughs) that we have to turn this stupid acronym? He's the goat. Uh Uh-huh. It's equally stupid to booing. We've done this forever. You didn't have a problem with it when it was just we were talking about Michael Jordan's the goat. No, I always hated. I've oh, always I've okay. hated that term since the first time I ever right. heard it. I was gonna say this is a, this for shocker of shockers. This is only a problem when it refers to the the Mm-mm. nemesis of your football nope, life. I hate that term with every fiber of my being. <laughs> He's the goat. What does he do? He grazes in a field and eats ten cans. Yeah. But no, I don't know. I th- part of me wants to say that you're. Your your recency bias may be showing a little bit on these NFC West games. All the NFC West games are always tough. I don't think they are now. I, I see so. a clear delineation okay. in, the, in right. the NFC West. I'm just saying, remember a couple of years ago when you know Seattle had the stranglehold on the division and they were the best team in the NFL, and they it, this was Legion of Boom days, and they lo- they they would lose games week in and week out in the NFC West to the Rams who were bad at that time who to the Cardinals who were awful at that time now all of them are good or at least have good parts about them I mean I would say I mean those are fine ga- I mean I'm just not I'm right. not clamoring for how okay. great those are going to be all right Arizona that- and Arizona and LA Seattle and San Francisco, I think those are going to be fun games to watch. Other than that, you have five, and it will be six. Mm-hmm. Six of the 16 games have touchdown or more lines on them. Ooh, these should be fun to pick on Friday. Beat the Chief. Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you, one of them is Tampa Bay, New England. I don't care if that gets to 17 and a half. Tom be- Brady is going to do things. And I and you know what? I hope he pulls the Eli Manning and just goes double bird at Bill every time he does it. Oh, I want great. it to. If you want me to like Tom Brady, that's the one thing I need. Well, I go. need him to be as absolutely pretentious 
and petty and, and all of that as I would be. Because that's how I'd do it. He comes into this game completely clear-headed and on a mission to set the uh, set the all-time record for passing yards in the NFL, which he's only 69 away from, by the way. Yes, the NFL schedule makers are never going to convince me that they didn't set this up on purpose that he would be in New England to break this record. Uh, but he comes in with this laser focus on just beating his old team. He wins that game by 20 points, at least. I think they're going to embarrass him. He comes in all you know, drunk and stumbling from too many avocado tequilas. He might win the game by 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think... I mean, this is going to be one of those times that you go, man, Tom Brady... Tom Brady's got a mean side to him. Right. Mm-mm-mm. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. All right, go take a little trip down to Pleasant Grove, Alabama for this story. His... Definitely one of the weirdest stories I've had in a while. And now, look, it uh, it involves a football stadium. So uh, the Pleasant Grove Department of Public Safety says that 37-year-old Matthew Williamson was charged last week with unlawful breaking and entering a vehicle and theft of property. He was arrested. Well, they found him in a very peculiar place. He apparently, so he gets arrested on this unlawful breaking and entering and theft of property charge. Then two hours after he makes bonds, he steals a car in Hueytown, Alabama, hides it in Pleasant Grove, and later that night there was a story or there was a report to the police of an unknown person breaking into the concession stand at the Pleasant Grove Athletic Complex. They found whoever broke in the next morning who was found sleeping in the press box among a pile of chicken fingers, chips, candy, and meth. The guy decided, I've already been to jail once tonight. Guess what? I'm going to go steal a car. I'm going to drive to a different town, break into the concession stand at the local football stadium, and I'm just going to have me a big old meth snack-eating party. Don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. And don't do multiple crimes in the same day. <laughs> I have I have two prevailing questions from this story. One is the chicken fingers. I'm a fat guy, so i got to focus on the food here first. Shocker. The chicken fingers, were were they frozen? Or was he all methed up and said, I, I know how to work a, a fryer? I'm going to bet they were par-cooked. Par-cooked. Par-cooked means they were pre-cooked. Yeah. And then you would just heat just them in heat the oil. Back up. So okay. it, that, might, that could very easily have been done in a microwave. Okay. That was when you so told maybe. me the story earlier, that was my initial thought. Right. They probably par-cooked these. <laughs> They put the, they saved them for you know the next time they were doing concessions right and that's how that went okay I can't imagine somebody eating a frozen chicken finger I just don't. Well, I mean I've never been high on meth so I don't know maybe frozen foods you don't really notice the difference 
Well, Who knows? I, I mean, I would say it would break oh. out all of his teeth, but then you mentioned the meth. We'll have to call your uh, ex-wife and ask her about that. Oh, uh, no. Oh, sorry. I, that was dirty. That, Should not have gone 100%, down that path. 100% for somebody uh, <laughs> you never even met. <laughs> Should not have gone down that path. My second question is, cops, what are you doing? Pleasant Grove Public Safety? Somebody called and said they're breaking into the... An unknown person's broken into the athletic complex and... You can't find them? Like, you don't investigate enough to be able to find the person who has raided all of the snacks and had a meth party up in the, uh, up at the press box until the next morning when the guy was found. Weird. Very weird. Priorities. Maybe there's, maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe there's a whole lot of crime in Pleasant Grove and somebody breaking into the concession stand is not that big of a deal. I just find that odd that in the story the police say, they were called about uh, somebody breaking in, and then they didn't find the guy until the next morning. I don't think you looked very hard. How big is the complex? I have a weirder story <laughs> than yours. Okay. Oh, how's that weird? Oh. How's it weirder? Oh, this is fantastic. Here we go. Jens Honig is a Dutch painter. Okay. Uh, an impressionist painter that does all kinds of works and things like that. And he was recently lended $85,000 from the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Alborg. Mm-hmm. Most of his works had been monetary related. One of them was called the an average Danish annual income. Another was called an average Austrian annual income. And they had money featured in the pieces. So the museum lended him $85,000 to come up with a, a set of two new works. So he sends the new works to the museum. It was two empty boxes, and he called his new works, take the money and run. (laughs) Good for him. He said that this work of art is, I took your money and sent you nothing. That's my my take on realist impressionist art. Beautiful. So here's a box with no money in it that you can set up in your museum and call it take the money and run. When he was asked... Uh, the, the the curator of the museum said, we're not a rich museum, and we're really hoping the money will come back. Because this was a loan. So this was an, there was an agreement to return the cash that he used to, to do these works when they sold on January 14th of 2022. Uh-huh. So this was not a, hey, here's the money, we're going to fund this. It was a loan to do it, then we'll sell it, and you can get paid. Yeah. <laughs> when asked if he would be returning the money... Honig said, of course I won't pay it back. This work is that I took the money and will not give it back. That, that is a long play that I have never seen the likes of. <laughs> but you could still make that work. Come on, people. You, I mean, what, you think somebody's going to buy the box? Maybe. You don't know what rich people will spend their money on. Hey, if somebody, he's a celebrated painter or artist or whatever, you could easily explain that, and somebody would waste the money on it. Somebody's going to buy the Conjuring House, so yeah, you're going to buy the, the the haunted horror house. So. Right. Ugh, that's been bothering me since I told that story yesterday. Is that somebody somewhere is going to walk in that house and go, "This is good. Yeah, yeah, we can live here." They filmed movies about how this place was haunted and people got killed in here. And, yeah, I think our TV will look good right there. Uh-uh. Couch will be good right there. You can see me. So what are you saying? You believe in ghosts? Uh, no. I th- no, I don't in okay. any way. Okay, so what's the problem? I'm still not buying the ghost house. 
Yeah. So you do believe in ghosts. No. You're just not willing to admit Mm-mm. it. Nope. Don't believe in ghosts. Uh, don't believe in birds either. Doesn't mean I'm buying an aviary. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Because what if I'm wrong? <laughs> You are wrong. I'm not wrong. You are wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong about Sasquatch. Stop. I'm not wrong about the Loch Ness Monster. Is, I'm about to blow your mind here. You're wrong about the birds, and you're wrong about the ghosts. I'm not. You are. And I'm certainly not wrong about the birds. Ever since I started talking about them, one sitting in the parking lot just staring at me. <laughs> yes, yes, I admit it. I believe in paranormal activity. Oh, I, uh, an update on my story yesterday. Yeah. I asked Mike Morgan, uh, what would be the process <laughs> of a paranormal scientist to get a home loan? Yes. And he said, well, I mean, if they're making money and they have receipts that show that they made money from doing this, I told you. then we could approve them. I told you. You got to have the receipts. Like, I don't care where the money comes from. Um, as long as you can show me receipts that you're charging for your work and you have an income. I'm going to approve you for your loan. What do you get a team that seems to have everything? That that was the off-season question for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they went out and they kept everything in place. All 22 starters back. Everything's good. Problem is, you had a secondary that played out of your mind last year, out of their minds last year, going down the stretch of that season. And you knew you were coming in. You were taking the chances. How about that? With a limited secondary. Did I couch all of that enough? Is that is that good enough? Was I was I nice enough? Calling it a limited secondary for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, yeah, that was probably okay. overly nice to all me. All right, all right, thank you. Um, but. Injuries do happen in football, and we've already seen it hit that li- already limited secondary. Sean Murphy Bunting had the so- uh, the shoulder injury in game one. He's gone. Now last game, Jamel Dean gets hurt. He's going to be out for a while. And there's been the rumor that they've been talking with Richard Sherman. We got the news today that Richard Sherman is apparently in Tampa today meeting with the Buccaneers and doing some level of a workout. This, to me, is a move that makes sense. See, Jeremy said he's not the guy to look at his team and go, oh, I've got all these deficiencies. Let me go out and spend more money and buy a free agent that's on the market. I think completely differently on that. Well, It's, it's different when you've got two injuries in the secondary. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about replacing a player that you've gone through camp with. Right. It's a, I mean, it's one thing when you're having to start your fourth corner. I understand the Richard Sherman move completely. Yeah. That makes all the sense in the world. I understand that this just came off the wire from Ian Rappaport. The Arizona Cardinals are signing Quentin Dunbar. Yep. Yep, get that too. Mm-hmm. That makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. You've been eviscerated by slot receivers. So what did you just do? Go, go and get a slot You went and corner. got a really good slot corner. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best defenses in the league. We had one deficiency. Go fix it. Right. But you don't you don't feel the same way when it comes to Pittsburgh's offensive line. No. Don't run out and go get Okung or Schwartz or whoever. No, you because you had so many holes and you used so much of your draft capital to take linemen. Mm-hmm. And they're starting two rookies. It's hard for me to go, yeah, let's tap out on that guy after three games. Well, not tap out. Just say, you know what, you need time to develop. Let me go get another guy. That's one thing if you think you're a Super Bowl contender. See, the, the Arizona, think that this team could be? 
Pittsburgh or Tampa? Pittsburgh. If they fix their no. offensive line, you don't think that they could be a threat in the AFC? Unless they take uh, Ben Roethlisberger to that fountain that Ponce de Leon <laughs> tried to find, then no. Okay. Unless Ben Roethlisberger is going to become 29 years old at some point this year, then right. no. Okay. All right. See, to me, that becomes spiting your nose to save your face. And I look at Arizona and I look at Tampa Bay and go, I can see a path where both of you play, not both at the same time, but I can see either of you in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Pittsburgh, it would take uh, nothing short of a small miracle. Okay. Because that doesn't fix you. Tampa Bay had their biggest ex- their biggest liability exposed by the L.A. Rams. Yes. No doubt. Your mm-hmm. biggest deficiency was exposed. Mm-hmm. You knew exactly what they were going to do, and you couldn't stop it. By the way, how'd that Joe Tryon thing work out? You remember how he's going to be fine yeah, yeah, as a bit player. Yeah. You remember that thing I told you about, be careful with the guy that plays 12 snaps and now he has to play 60. How mm-hmm. uh, sometimes he just disappears into mm-hmm. the ether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what Joe Tryon did. Yeah. He's a rookie. He's, I went he, back in time to develop. You know, as I was watching the tape, I kept looking for that real long last name. Like, man, did he, did he get abducted by aliens in the second quarter? Cause I yeah. didn't see him again. Tryon Shoyinka. Yeah. It's, Anyway, so Richard Sherman's in town talking with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just another, just another example of, you know, you can you can convince anybody to come play with Tom Brady, to play with this team, this collection of weapons, when they know that there's going to be a spot for them in the limelight, and Richard Sherman's going to be a good one. I hope all of his off-the-field things are taken care of from the off-season arrest and all of that. Um, we don't know that. All we know, all I know is, even though he's 33 and a half years old, I still feel like he is a no-doubt impact player and can be in any secondary in the league. Do you agree with that, or do you, agree, or do you think that he's close to washed? I think he can be – I don't think you want him to be a down-in, down-out player. But could I see him playing 40, 45 snaps a game? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think he's better than Jamel Dean and, and a series of other guys that you've been trotting out there. I do, too. He's better than Ross Cockrell, I can tell you that much for sure. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. Now, that's a name that I heard a whole mess of times when I was watching the All-22. Because he got beat like a Because drum. I saw more passes completed on him – then uh, you could shake a stick at. Yeah, because you were always looking at the back of his jersey. I was like, man, I've seen that number a lot of mm-hmm. times. He made three good plays. I counted them. After we talked about the lead-up to that game and that Ross Cockrell was going to be on Cooper Cup, he made three good plays the entire game. That was it. The rest of the time, it was Cooper Cup time. Tampa coming off the loss. Uh, injuries in the secondary. Looks like Richard Sherman could be the next member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had to, you know, they had to do some more cap magic, some more contract magic, restructuring contracts to be able to make some room in the budget to bring in Richard Sherman. Of all the places that he was going to go, I did not think it would be my team, though. I think we honestly believe that he was going to find a place or I did anyway, back with Seattle or with the Dallas Cowboys. Didn't they talk about him with the Steelers as well for a while? I mean, a lot of teams that have corner issues and play that zone scheme talked about him. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not shocked it's Tampa Bay. It makes all sense in the world. He's an older guy. Why would you want to play on a team? I mean, there, there were a lot of – I heard him to the Jets because him and Salah are such good That's friends. That's right. Yeah, that was talked about. Why in the world would he want to come play for the New York Jets? Yeah, I, I want to just come cash a $4 million paycheck so I can go 1-16. Mm-hmm. We could have a running back on the move in the NFL. Adam Schefter reporting today that the Indianapolis Colts are agreeing to call it quits and find a trade destination for Marlon Mack, former 1,000-yard rusher. Where could he end up? We'll talk about it up next right here on ESPN. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. I saw this during the break. That's now my new favorite nickname in the NBA. Lakers rookie Austin Reeves. His nickname is Hillbilly Kobe. They've called him that for a while. Yeah. He was at Oklahoma. Yeah. He got the nickname at Oklahoma. Uh, one of the guys on the team, or the one of the coaches, said, I figured out your nickname. It's HBK. Said, what? Hillbilly Kobe. <laughs> now he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, one of the only young players that actually plays for the decrepit Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, he's the only player on the LA Lakers that's not older than I am. That's not true, but it's close. Yeah, it is very close. Um, In the NFL, news came out today from Adam Schefter that the Indianapolis Colts are open to trading running back Marlon Mack. In fact, he said that they have agreed mutually to seek a trade. Which usually when it's phrased that way, it means he's going to be out of here at some point. Yeah, they said that about Jamie Collins last week. Uh, He just got released by the Lions. Marlon, Marlon Mack. Mack's probably not going to get released. Yeah. Because he's not actually impeding anybody's playing time. Mm-hmm. Jamie Collins was with Derek Barnes. Right. Uh, I mean, my question would be, what exactly do you think you could get for Marlon Mack? A conditional seven? I was going to say a six. And who? There's only one team, in my opinion, in the NFL that should be interested. Only one? That's a, there's only one that I can see. Is it the Miami Dolphins? That's the one. <laughs> I figured that's kind of where you'd go. Miles Gaskin, that running back room is not good. And by so, the way, you remember what I told you in the offseason about the running back room with the Dolphins? Mm. Yeah, did you notice Malcolm Brown's touch or uh, Malcolm Brown's snap share quadrupled Dead it. this week? Nice. And I just dropped him in fantasy, too, because he wasn't getting used. Of course you did. Tank Spencer, kiss of death. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, you remember who else I traded before the season started? Mike Williams. And he's wide receiver number two in fantasy football. Yeah, you also once famously traded Christian McCaffrey for A.J. Stop Green. Stop that. Why you got to keep bringing that up? There were not other players involved. Why you got to keep was, bringing that it up? Was just no, that. there was another player involved. I got two players back. Who was the other one? Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> like I said, there were no other players involved. And I got a first-round pick. There was another person that wore a jersey. Yeah. There were no other players involved. <laughs> uh, the Miami Dolphins could be, but they got bigger fish to fry. They've got, they've got different trades to make. Like one. They've got one trade to make. And today is always a good day for Deshaun Watson to end up being a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, I mean, where, where, else, where else could you find a hole for him? For Marlon Mack on any team in the NFL. Um, the L.A. Rams, 
I think they're fine with Sonny Michelle and Darrell Williams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Darrell Henderson, excuse me. Darrell Henderson, yeah. Uh, uh, the, Kansas the, City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire hadn't been all they wanted him to be. He just had a 100-yard game, which is proof positive that dreams do really do come true. Yeah, but he also fumbled. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. Well, I say so much mean. I say I say so many mean things about him that I was just going to let that pass. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things. He, they're just players like that. Like, hey, he had a great game. Yeah, but then he fumbled at the end of the game. So, what are you going to do? We call that Ezekiel Elliotting. El- Elliotting. There you go. The San Francisco 49ers, They can't keep healthy running backs. Maybe Marlon Mack is uh, an option fit, for them. He didn't fit the scheme. He's not a one cut guy like that. Yeah. And then there was another team mentioned, and it was the Carolina Panthers. And I actually don't disagree. That Depending on what you got to give up for him, that could be an option. I'm not saying I'm off of Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is not going to... Look, here's the thing. You don't want Chuba Hubbard being the guy. I'm off of Chuba Hubbard because I was never on Chuba Hubbard. Now that Christian McCaffrey is banged up again, uh, he, thankfully we did find out from Matt Rule yesterday that he's not going to go on IR. So hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But you don't want to run the risk, in my opinion, of Chuba Hubbard being the guy. Marlon Mack's a guy that can come in, and he could be the guy. Yeah, but he can't learn the system that quick. You don't think so? I mean, you got McCaffrey's going to be gone for two weeks. No, so, but I'm saying should something happen to Christian McCaffrey down the road, it might be a possibility. I mean, to me, Marlon Mack's wanting out of Indianapolis so he can get opportunities. So you're going to a place that you get less. That kind of seems like. <laughs> well, you don't know. You don't know. Christian McCaffrey missed 13 games last year. Hopefully it's not a sign that this is going to be a running thing with him now that he gets banged up every other two weeks. I hope the best for him. But it might be might not be a bad insurance policy to have. Marlon Mack's not going to go anywhere and start immediately anyway. He could Miami. The Houston Texans. Uh, Houston does. They're not allowed to have any more running backs. No, they have all the running backs they're allowed to have. No, I hope he goes somewhere and does well. I believed in him when he was in Indianapolis, and he was the guy. And then, you know, they were gonna. They had such high hopes for that Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor backfield, and four carries into the season last year he tears his acl and now there is no place for him on that team because naheem hines has taken over all of the other ancillary work you're in the sports tank with jeremy green here on espn Asheville. we'll be back here tomorrow at three and of course tomorrow morning in the sportsocracy in the wicked weed studio at 10 a.m power rankings for week four